The Street Markets From London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The London Street Markets on a Saturday Night The street sellers are to be seen in the greatest numbers at the London Street Markets on a Saturday night. Here, and in the shops immediately adjoining, the working classes generally purchase their Sunday's dinner, and after pay-time on Saturday night, or early on Sunday morning, the crowd in the new cut, and the brill in particular, is almost impassable. Indeed, the scene in these parts has more of the character of a fair than a market. There are hundreds of stalls, and every stall has its one or two lights. Either it is illuminated by the intense white light of the new self-generating gas-lamp, or else it is brightened up by the red smoky flame of the old-fashioned grease-lamp. One man shows off his yellow haddock with a candle stuck in a bundle of firewood. His neighbour makes a candlestick of a huge turnip, and the tallow gutters over its sides, while the boy shouting, Eight a penny, stunning pears, has rolled his dip in a thick coat of brown paper that flares away with the candle. Some stalls are crimson with the fire shining through the holes beneath the baked chestnut stove, Others have handsome octahedral lamps, while a few have a candle shining through a sieve. These, with the sparkling ground-glass globes of the tea-dealers' shops, and the butchers' gaslights streaming and fluttering in the wind like flags of flame, pour forth such a flood of light, that at a distance the atmosphere immediately above the spot is as lurid as if the street were on fire. The pavement and road are crowded with purchasers and street-sellers, the housewife, in her thick shawl, with the market-basket on her arm, walks slowly on, stopping now to look at the stall of caps, and now to cheapen a bunch of greens. Little boys, holding three or four onions in their hand, creep between the people, wriggling their way through every interstice, and asking for custom in whining tones, as if seeking charity. Then the tumult of the thousand different cries of the eager dealers, all shouting at the top of their voices, at one and the same time, is almost bewildering. So old again, roars one. Chestnuts a lot, a penny a score, bowls another. An apenny a skin, blacking, squeaks a boy. Bye, 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 cries the butcher. Half a quire of paper for a penny, bellows the street stationer. An apenny a lot, ingons. Two pence a pound grapes. Three a penny Yarmouth bloaters. Who'll buy a bonnet for fourpence? Pick em out cheap here. Three pair for a half penny, bootlaces. "'Now's your time. Beautiful wealth, a penny a lot!' "'Here's hairpuths!' shouts the perambulating confectioner. "'Come and look at em. Here's toasters!' bellows one with a Yarmouth bloater stuck on a toasting fork. "'Penny a lot! Fine russets!' calls the apple woman. And so the babel goes on. One man stands with his red-edged mats hanging over his back and chest, like a herald's coat, and the girl with the basket of walnuts lifts her brown-stained fingers to her mouth, as she screams, "'Fine walnuts! Sixteen a penny! Fine walnuts!' A bootmaker, to ensure custom, has illuminated his shop-front with a line of gas, and in its full glare stands a blind beggar, his eyes turned up so as to show only the whites, and mumbling some begging rhymes, that are drowned in the shrill notes of the bamboo flute-player next to him. The boy's sharp cry, the woman's cracked voice, the gruff, hoarse shout of the man, are all mingled together. Sometimes an Irishman is heard with his fine eighteen apples, or else the jingling music of an unseen organ breaks out, as the trio of street singers rest between the verses. Then the sights, as you elbow your way through the crowd, are equally multifarious. 
Here is a stall glittering with new tin saucepans, there another bright with its blue and yellow crockery and sparkling with white glass. Now you come to a row of old shoes arranged along the pavement, now to a stand of gaudy tea trays, then to a shop with red handkerchiefs and blue checked shirts fluttering backwards and forwards, and a counter built up outside on the curb behind which a boy is beseeching custom. At the door of a tea shop, with its hundred white globes of light, stands a man delivering bills, thanking the public for past favours and defying competition. Here, alongside the road, are some half-dozen headless tailors' dummies, dressed in Chesterfields and fustian jackets, each labelled, Look at the prices, or Observe the quality. After this is a butcher's shop, crimson and white, with meat piled up to the first floor, in front of which the butcher himself, in his blue coat, walks up and down, sharpening his knife on the steel that hangs to his waist. A little further on stands the clean family, begging, the father with his head down as if in shame, and a box of lucifers held forth in his hand, the boys in newly washed pinafores, and the tidily got-up mother with a child at her breast. This stall is green and white with bunches of turnips, that red with apples, the next yellow with onions, and another purple with pickling cabbages. One minute you pass a man with an umbrella turned inside up and full of prints, the next you hear one with a peep-show of Mazeppa and Paul Jones the pirate, describing the pictures to the boys looking in at the little round windows. Then is heard the sharp snap of the percussion cap from the crowd of lads firing at the target for nuts, and the moment afterwards you see either a black man half clad in white, and shivering in the cold with tracts in his hand, or else you hear the sounds of music from Frazier's Circus on the other side of the road, and the man outside the door of the penny concert beseeching you to be in time, be in time, as Mr. Somebody is just about to sing his favourite song of the knife-grinder. Such indeed is the riot, the struggle, and the scramble for a living, that the confusion and uproar of the new cut on Saturday night might have a bewildering and saddening effect upon the thoughtful mind. Each salesman tries his utmost to sell his wares, tempting the passers-by with his bargains. The boy with his stock of herbs offers a double handful of fine parsley for a penny. The man with the donkey-cart filled with turnips has three lads to shout for him to their utmost, with their, Ho! Ho! Hi! 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 What do you think of this here? A penny a bunch! Hooray for free trade! Here's your turnips! Until it is seen and heard, we have no sense of the scramble that is going on throughout London for a living. The same scene takes place at the Brill, the same in Leather Lane, the same in Tottenham Court Road, the same in Whitecross Street. Go to whatever corner of the metropolis you please, either on a Saturday night or a Sunday morning, and there is the same shouting and the same struggling to get the penny profit out of the poor man's Sunday's dinner. Since the above description was written, the new cut has lost much of its noisy and brilliant glory. In consequence of a new police regulation, stands or pitches have been forbidden, and each coster on a market night is now obliged, under pain of the lock-up house, to carry his tray or keep moving with his barrow. The gay stalls have been replaced by deal boards, some sodden with wet fish, others stained purple with blackberries, or brown with walnut peel, and the bright lamps are almost totally superseded by the dim, guttering candle. Even if the pole under the tray or shallow is seen resting on the ground, the policeman on duty is obliged to interfere. The mob of purchasers has diminished one half, and instead of the road being filled with customers and trucks, the pavement and curbstones are scarcely crowded. The Sunday Morning Markets 
Nearly every poor man's market does its Sunday trade. For a few hours on the Sabbath morning the noise, bustle, and scramble of the Saturday night are repeated, and but for this opportunity many a poor family would pass a dinnerless Sunday. The system of paying the mechanic late on the Saturday night, and more particularly of paying a man his wages in a public house, when he is tired with his day's work, lures him to the tavern, and there the hours fly quickly enough beside the warm tap-room fire, so that by the time the wife comes for her husband's wages, she finds a large portion of them gone in drink, and the streets half cleared, so that the Sunday market is the only chance of getting the Sunday's dinner. Of all these Sunday morning markets, the Brill perhaps furnishes the busiest scene, so that it may be taken as a type of the hall. The streets in the neighbourhood are quiet and empty, the shops are closed with their different coloured shutters, and the people round about are dressed in the shiny cloth of the holiday suit. There are no cabs, and but few omnibuses to disturb the rest, and men walk in the road as safely as on the footpath. As you enter the Brill, the market sounds are scarcely heard, but at each step the low hum grows gradually into the noisy shouting, until at last the different cries become distinct, and the hubbub, din, and confusion of a thousand voices bellowing at once again fill the air. The road and footpath are crowded as on the overnight. The men are standing in groups, smoking and talking, whilst the women run to and fro, some with the white round turnips showing out of their filled aprons, others with cabbages under their arms, and a piece of red meat dangling from their hands. Only a few of the shops are closed, but the butchers and the coal-shed are filled with customers, and from the door of the shut-up bakers the women come streaming forth with bags of flour in their hands, while men sally from the halfpenny barbers, smoothing their clean-shaved chins. Walnuts, blacking, apples, onions, braces, combs, turnips, herrings, pens and corn-plaster are all bellowed out at the same time. Labourers and mechanics, still unshorn and undressed, hang about with their hands in their pockets, some with their pet terriers under their arms. The pavement is green with the refuse-leaves of vegetables, and round a cabbage-barrel the women stand turning over the bunches, as the man shouts, "'Where you like, only a penny!' Boys are running home with the breakfast herring held in a piece of paper, and the side-pocket of the apple-man's stuff-coat hangs down with the weight of the halfpence stored within. Presently the tolling of the neighbouring church bells breaks forth. Then the bustle doubles itself, the cries grow louder, the confusion greater. Women run about and push their way through the throng, scolding the saunterers, for in half an hour the market will close. In a little time the butcher puts up his shutters, and leaves the door still open. The policemen in their clean gloves come round, and drive the street-sellers before them, and as the clock strikes eleven, the market finishes, and the Sunday's rest begins. End of The Street Markets from London Labour and the London Poor by Henry Mayhew. Read by Jason Mills.